Section thirteen of War Letters from a Young Queenslander by Robert Marshall Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty ninth of September, nineteen fifteen. I cannot write much this time, as I am extremely busy. We are in the middle of the great fight and are doing very well. It is cheering to know we are fairly strafing the Hun at last. I was up near Neuve Chapelle when our attack began. The guns made a great noise, and then we sprang a surprise on Fritz. He didn't like the gas one little bit either. But the main surprise was the use of smoke bombs. These emitted a dense white cloud, and prevented the enemy from seeing what we were up to. It is the first good trick we have not borrowed from the Hun. Our men made a feint, and pierced three lines of trenches, thought to be impregnable. But the attack was only a feint, and then they withdrew. Down south, the first army is going great guns. We rejoined our unit last night, and today I am under orders to join a new division for an unknown destination. We are off to a new bit of the line, probably to be thrown into the breach. It promises to be very exciting. You will understand that for some days I cannot write you fully, but I shall make up for it later. Now for a repetition of Ypres, but with the guns on our side. The weather is not good, but one cannot have everything. 4th of October, 1915 in sending thanks for the parcel of tobacco which friends had sent for distribution the writer says a warm drink and a smoke are really the best dressing we can apply to the men when they come into us i take the opportunity of a slight lull to tell you something of the great fight still going on our part has been a passive one but we had an important task to do though it did not take us into the limelight for several weeks we knew that the offensive was coming and we heard daily the thunder of french artillery in artois this gradually got more and more intense, and finally, on the 23rd of September, we got our instructions. We went over the kits carefully, and made every preparation for a rapid march. 24th of September, at 10.30am, we marched with a hundred natives and equipment to a village not far away. I was immediately detailed to go to the advanced dressing station with one officer from the ambulance. It is hard for you to realise the suppressed excitement we all felt. After all these weary months of waiting and of hope deferred, we felt that at last the day was coming for us. We had the men and a big stock of guns and ammunition. After lunch I went out and toured the trenches. We saw all the regimental medical officers and talked over plans for the morrow. There were new communication trenches to be inspected and signboards put up directing wounded to our dressing stations. One felt rather ghoulish or callous in letting the men see all these inevitable preparations. Meanwhile the bombardment grew more and more intense. All the guns were firing rapidly and doing great execution on the German front-line trenches. We were wandering along roads about 700 yards behind, and the roar was deafening. Field guns were barking all around us, and above them we could hear the big shells coming over from far back. Aeroplanes were cruising about directing the batteries, but the Hun was too busy to give them much attention. The enemy trenches were enveloped in a mass of smoke, with fragments hurled up every now and then well above the pole. Gunner officers were very pleased with themselves. The Hun reply was very feeble, a few crumps, but mostly pipsqueaks, which did no damage. Away south where the main attack was coming, the noise was continuous. Everything pointed to a good beginning for us. On our way back, up the La Basse Road, a sniper had a couple of shots at us, but his aim was bad. That evening we made our final preparations, and all through the night the guns fired at ten-minute intervals to prevent the enemy from repairing the damage. At 5 a.m. we had all our men in position. Eight natives were stationed at each aid post to direct or carry up cases. 
eight others under a lance neck lance corporal were stationed in a lime kiln about halfway they had four-wheeled stretchers to bring cases rapidly to us in addition there was a light tramway which passed near us and stretcher cases could be brought up on the trucks we had a good service of cars and about a mile back were horse ambulances ready for walking cases with guides all the way up thus we were prepared for a rush no matter how heavy twenty fifth of september punctually at five forty five a m the final bombardment began and hell was let loose all our guns were concentrated on a half-mile front and the noise was the worst i have ever heard the eighteen-pounders barked as fast as possible and above them the gurgle of the big shells coming from miles back a heavy bombardment is a wonderful thing especially if you are behind it at ypres i was the recipient of such attentions and got all i wanted now it was our turn to give the hun a dose of his own medicine i climbed a tree near by and watched the show as well as i could nothing could be seen of the trenches they were hidden by a dense cloud of smoke with the flash of bursting shells lighting them up continuously the guns then stopped and the attack began on our front the Meerut division of the indian corps was given the honour of attacking we were only to advance if they were successful in any case the whole attack was to be an elaborate feint to keep the hun from sending troops down south we had a couple of surprises for him and they were now used first we turned the gas on him and he did not like it at all they were not fully prepared for it and most of their respirators were in trench stores and not easily got at in a hurry our next surprise was quite unexpected copying naval tactics we employed smoke to screen our movements smoke bombs were thrown from the trenches and went off with a shower of sparks emitting a dense white cloud this rose to a height of one hundred and fifty feet and effectively prevented the hun from seeing our men get out of the trenches and also from what they were doing even at this early hour the weather decided as usual to go against us it has been so in every attack we have made an hour before the attack began the wind was in our favour but it suddenly changed and blew from the hun to us thus preventing an extensive use of gas rain too began to fall however off dashed the Meerut division and we in the dressing station sat and waited for cases they were not long in coming a shot from the enemy hit a gas cylinder in our front line and the escaping gas laid out several of our men some came back on stretchers but the majority walked one could tell the gas cases at a distance by their gait the poor fellows staggered along reeling from side to side and quite dazed they could not answer any questions and just lay down and went to sleep or gasped for air the results of gas poisoning are not pleasant to look at meanwhile the huns had begun to shell pretty heavily and the wounded came in freely about seven a m one of our brigades passed down the road walking quietly in indian file to take up their position they were not shelled news soon came in that the Meerut division had passed the huns first line trenches and were going on they went on and on and in their ardour they exceeded what was planned and broke right through the hun lines this was no mean achievement for the trenches opposite us were supposed to be impregnable but there were no supports all available troops were elsewhere eventually by midday they were back in their own trenches with many dead and wounded this action held up large reserves from going south to the real push and it also showed that the line could be broken here we only figured in the reports as having demonstrated but it was a big battle judged by old standards during an action one hears the wildest rumours generally pessimistic a wounded man cannot be expected to give the cheeriest or most lucid description of what is happening he generally tells one that his regiment has been wiped out or else that they have been driven back through the whole of the morning we got all sorts of rumours principally good ones 
we heard that in the front-line trenches of the enemy many men were lying dead from the gas some of the cases looked like poisoning by a certain gas not our gas i must not tell the substance yet awhile we heard too that there were a good many prisoners at last a cry was raised here come the huns and we all rushed out a corporal of the black watch and a pal were proudly marching five huns along the road you should have seen the proud air of the conquerors no one was going to rob them of their spoils i stopped them and spoke to them they were all young men rather small but well developed well fed and well clothed but they looked dazed and a trifle scared as well they might after that bombardment the sight of those men visible proof that we were progressing was the most powerful stimulus we have had for months by midday everything was very quiet and one would not have known that a great fight was on by three o'clock it began to rain heavily and further advance was impossible but we began to get cheery news of our comrades and the french and that made up for the natural depression we all felt it is easy for one to sit at home and read of a demonstration being made at a certain point which held up the enemy's reserves from going elsewhere however we were only a microscopic part of the line and we had only a single line part not the limelight all the time it is curious how men are invariably downhearted after a show like this while the higher commander pleased with the results obtained as they were in this case they get a clearer perspective of the whole of course an important part in the attack was shared by the rnas they had naval ten-pounders right up in the front line these guns are quick firers about fifteen shots a minute and quite as good as the bosch pipsqueak a similar gun the shells could penetrate seven sandbags so were capable of a considerable amount of damage we heard with great regret of the death of the medical officer of the lesters he was an old dublin boy and i knew him well when the lesters advanced he went on over the parapet but was killed by a shell shortly afterwards while one may doubt the wisdom of what he had done still he was a brave boy and had been awarded the military cross ten days previously for a very gallant deed this night was fairly quiet except for rifle and artillery fire to prevent the enemy repairing his trenches as usual the hun was up to his customary dirty work firing on the wounded as they tried to crawl back he did not use paraffin or incendiary bullets this time probably because they were not handy it is this absolute disregard of all rules of fighting which makes us hate the german squeals for mercy don't prevent the bayonet being pushed home but they have only themselves to blame the hun has ceased to be regarded as a man he is simply a beast to be exterminated as quickly as possible and thus repay doubly all that was done to france and belgium though no advance was made all day the batteries were busy wire-cutting with successful results i spent a good part of the day up a walnut tree watching the shells bursting on la basse and lens a continual cloud of smoke slowly drifted over those spots and we could see the flashes of the bursting shells prominent on the horizon stood the two gaunt pit-heads of lens which our men call the tower bridge up to this the hun had not used his artillery to any extent but in the afternoon he fired all over the place a crump passed over our tree and landed about a hundred and fifty yards away i distinctly felt the hot air from it and did not stay much longer up aloft the dugout was much more inviting but it was only a stray shell earlier in the day we saw rather an extraordinary sight a german shell was coming down very near a battery when it hit the branches of a tree and exploded in mid-air it was a big shell and gave us a fine firework display i have referred to a convenient lime-kiln where we had stationed eight indians under a non-commissioned officer to evacuate cases to us they did good work when the attack was in progress yesterday the germans shelled this area very severely to prevent any advance and we had the majority of casualties from there the nco 
was an ex-psych groom who had just been promoted he was down there absolutely alone but he got a grip of the situation and controlled his post like a veteran cases came back quickly and without delay the lot of them worked on steadily regardless of the shell-fire and i was very pleased with the way they did what was asked of them the indian kaha or dooley bearer is one of the surprises of this war and in a future letter i hope to tell you more about him but lance hake j c ram though quite new rose to the occasion and no one could have done better work i have recommended him for practical work done under trying circumstances and i hope he will get official recognition these humble men do not get into the limelight but their work is frequently deserving of more recognition than it gets we spent the evening very snugly with a gramophone and a few artillery friends it helped to make us forget the wet outside twenty seventh september the evening had been very quiet our guns were on a restricted ration of shell as there was no object in firing unnecessarily the day gave promise of improving but early in the afternoon it was raining as hard as ever in the morning i was walking along the road by the dressing station when a stray bullet nearly finished me it just missed my head and shoulders and was about the closest shave i have yet had where it came from was a mystery but it made me take greater interest in my surroundings than i was showing at the time we were recalled late in the afternoon as active operations had ceased on our front on the whole we were glad to get back to our own unit mixed ambulances only work really well when both lots are equally good twenty eighth september the morning was spent in going over our kits and renewing anything necessary suddenly we got an order to have two sections ready to join an indian field ambulance to form a mixed unit to accompany one of our brigades to another division this looked more like the real thing as we knew there were prospects of going down to the big push we had only a few hours to get ready and were off once more at five p m after we reached the rendezvous we joined up and proceeded down south to a small village about six miles from here i was in charge of the transport and as it was raining hard and a dark night my job was not an enviable one long before we got in i was wet through and so were most of the others when we arrived at the village we found no billets this is an old complaint of most of the units however we crowded all the indians in a schoolhouse and after wandering about i got a floor to sleep on in a cottage the people in the village were very kind and did all they could to help us a pleasant change from some of the places near here in the midst of all the worry regarding billets my water cart backed into a deep ditch and that did not add to one's pleasant feelings we were told that our brigade was taking over the line just north of the la basse canal and so relieving a division that had got some hard knocks a few days previously when demonstrating like the Mirat division as it was new country we looked forward to working it twenty ninth of september with the o c of the ambulance i motored out to the advanced dressing station and took over from the men already there then i stayed out on duty we approached the front along the la basse canal a very picturesque route as far as that bit was concerned with plenty of green woods but before the canal there were the usual small railways and slag heaps and the dreariness associated with all coal mining areas however the country was much more undulating and that was a pleasant change as one passed along the canal path straight ahead was seen dead and splintered trees over ruined houses without any other sign that was sufficient to mark where the trenches lay in the future dead trees will always remind me of this war parallel with the canal ran the railway and we saw an armoured train with steam up ready to go forward into action after going along the canal for about two miles we came to an open part where we saw a big ruined farm on a small rise it was the dressing station lone farm in front of us lay a fair-sized village mostly in ruins 
it was givenchy the scene of very fierce fighting especially in december last for it lies opposite la Bassee. we crossed the canal by westminster bridge but i think the lcc maintained better roads than the next one we got on lone farm must have been a big place before the war it was built in a hollow square with very high walls all the sides except where the living rooms were had been destroyed by shell fire but there was a good cellar left and the rooms were very big and handy for our work i could never see to what use they had been placed in peacetime for we could not discover where the fireplace was or had been i was not greatly taken by the height on which we were the farm stood out too much for my liking i am a modest man and i like a ruined cottage which does not attract the hun's artillery this opinion was strengthened by the fact that shortly after our arrival the hun began to shell the road very accurately finishing up by one at our front door there were some heavy batteries behind us and they were a magnet for most of the shells i was also told that the previous ambulance had done some queer things they flew a union jack on the building until the gunners made them take it down they hung a lantern with the red cross sign outside their gate and also ran motors up and down the roads close behind the trenches newcomers of course and full of book knowledge based on previous wars we old veterans know the hun better but we were paying for the pranks of the others the view from the farm was decidedly prettier than our own at neuve chapelle behind us were woods full of game and birds in front low ridges with the ruins of givenchy and beyond the ridge the hun not on top for once on the other side of the canal we could hear the roar of battle as the struggle went on from haynes and hullock only a short distance away before it got dark i had to wander round and find out the aid posts and the general lie of the land the road went gently uphill for about half a mile and it was well pitted by the morning's hate the houses were all in ruins soon we came to a crossroad windy corner this was a good spot to get the geography of the locality it also had very lively memories for my fellow medico he was here in december and this corner was the centre of cross-fire of two german machine-guns lucky was the man who crossed it unhurt to the left the ground gradually sank down to festubert and beyond that was our own area of neuve chapelle the eye saw nothing but dead trees so far as it could see in front of one was a low hill no higher than say musgrave park in south brisbane but judged by the conditions here it seemed a veritable mountain it was honeycombed with communication trenches at one end a jagged pile of bricks represented what was once the church of givenchy and further round were clumps of debris the town hall etc leading down from windy corner to the canal was a road with a large number of miners cottages in quite good condition they enabled the troops in reserve to have a good billet but why they were left intact by the germans was a mystery there was one open space between them which had to be crossed by a communication trench as the road was liable to be under fire at any time the last part of the road was quite open but was shielded by the hill the houses round about the bridge over the canal had suffered very severely they were practically shells on the enemy's side of the bridge a screen had been erected to prevent him seeing anything passing over to quinchy the neighbouring village the enterprising hun had a couple of snipers posted in mud fortresses on both banks of the canal higher up they fire straight down and make things unpleasant for any dawdlers along the canal banks near the bridge was a distillery the most rabid teetotaler could not have smashed it up as completely as the germans have done boilers lie about all over the yards and pipes are twisted into extraordinary shapes and massive pieces of machinery have been tossed about like paperweights it was a very realistic example of the power of heavy shells the soil is sandy and a great contrast to our waterlogged zone having seen the medical officers we walked back 
everything was quiet save for an occasional bullet singing overhead four aeroplanes passed back from some strafing expedition and we hoped it had been successful this village and the hill have been drenched in british and indian blood fights have raged here since december and they are not over yet la Bassée has always been the scene of severe fighting and so far has resisted all frontal attacks in this flat country every slight rise is of immense importance and the germans hold the majority of these vantage spots in some very severe fighting in december last the low ridge of givenchy was held by the hun and it took a great deal to displace him in these operations the indian troops took a prominent part and lost heavily the place was eventually captured by the guards here there is a little cemetery and the diversity of regiments bears eloquent witness to the troops who were there since then there have been many more fights notably in may givenchy is like ypres and neuve chapelle one of the classic spots on the western front the evening was rather disturbed by a six-inch gun behind us which persisted in firing every half hour or so i have become so seasoned now that it takes a lot to keep me from sleeping thirtieth of september in the morning i made a two hours tour round the aid posts showing the way to my colleagues it was pretty wet and the communication trenches were ankle-deep in many places i enjoyed a fiendish delight in making one fellow with brand new field boots trudge through it all later on i again went out and brought back a poor little gurkha suffering from shell-shock he had been standing alone in the front line when a big shell exploded near him apart from covering him with mud it had done no actual damage to him but his nerve had gone and there he stood shivering and shaking like a frightened child i have seen many such cases and the recovery is very slow later on i returned to the ambulance and another man took my place in my absence i found that things had been rather rough with them there was still no room for us and the schoolhouse had to serve both for hospital and shelter for our natives under these conditions it was very hard to run a decent show we feel like using explosive language but there's not to reason why first of october the weather is slowly improving but still very cold early in the morning i saw the small church of the village full of troops they had nowhere else to sleep but it was not a pleasant sight especially to a roman catholic the men had hung their muddy clothes and putties on any projecting knob and especially on the altar this incident brought home the hellishness of war very strongly the schoolhouse was also the mary and the mayor was really a young girl we never saw the mayor proper do any work the young lady did everything she was rather a belle and knew it and we had great fun flirting with her tommy atkins gets all the feminine attention that is good for him but in this part of the world the officer does not find much for himself but we got a find at essars and suzanne was kept busy all day exchanging jokes second of october the previous night reminded me of old rotunda days i was on duty and was called up three times for severe cases coming in an aerial torpedo had landed among some of the men and the resulting injuries were rather severe the setting of fractures took me back to the old days at the base hospital in bologna before breakfast we saw fourteen aeroplanes returning from an expedition it was a fine sight and we hoped that they had let off a good deal of hate the hun began to drop heavy stuff into bethuen about two kilometres away and we could hear the explosions distinctly as a means of retaliation grandmother woke up and began to cough fifteen-inch shells into lens the duel soon ceased in the afternoon we were ordered to rejoin our units and soon we were marching back over the same old roads to the same old spot which we first saw last march however it was very interesting to have been in another part of the line our share of the fight has not been a prominent one 
but we were doing essential work to enable the men south to push on. End of section 13